Hey, how you doing? This is Billy. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Coffee Talk with the two of us, whose names are... Billy and Jen. That is us. Cheers, babe. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We are in the throes of jet lag. It's surreal. (laughs) We just got back from Jen's dream tour, her 40-year... Dream tour? Yeah, it's your 40-year European tour. Uh, We crushed (laughs) Rome, Italy, Venice, Italy, and Paris... France. What was your favorite um, favorite out of all of them? I was actually telling someone just the other day that, you know, you plan a trip and you hope it goes as well as you, you dream it up. And it was just the most dreamiest, perfect trip I've ever taken with you. Aww. Um, favorite part was probably sitting... Two sex. Favorite, yeah, Multiple sex times, was different hotel rooms. Fantastic. In the public square. It's legal there. I don't know if you knew that. Actually, that didn't happen this time, and we'll talk what? about that later because you were so sick on part of our trip. But back to my favorite parts. Okay. Uh, sitting at the, on the rooftop, um, looking over the beautiful view in Venice. It was oh, just yeah. breathtaking. Venice was like a postcard. It's better than a postcard. Most yeah. beautiful place I've ever seen. It's actually more beautiful in person than it is on the, the paintings. And if you get a chance in this lifetime, go visit Venice. True. And then, But um, don't eat the food because I got salmonella poisoning. And stay at the Hilton Hotel that's on its own island. It's absolutely dreamy. The I guess, you know what? Honestly, the best part of the entire trip was just I thought just we already determined it was sex and Venice. Through the streets of Paris was oh. just like my favorite thing. It's just beautiful cafes, and we went to boutique shopping. It was awesome. And, we walked. Yeah. What did we? Did we hit seventy-five miles on that trip? Yes, one day we did ten and a half miles. Average was five and a half. Yeah, seventy-five miles. Loved it. Logged it in. Way to go. Um, that is your dream trip, exercise included. I did get salmonella poisoning, which was crazy because it's more than food poisoning. You need antibiotics to get rid of it. But we didn't have antibiotics because we were in another country. Oh, you were in a bad way. I ate a, a salmon quiche in Venice. And the food mm. in Venice, I'm just going to be honest, not that good compared to Rome and especially Paris. No, not good at all. They have to port everything in. They can't grow anything fresh. Yeah. Like everything has been frozen way fresh. too long. Yeah. So I overdosed on drugs so that I could keep going. I'd wake up every morning. I would pop Imodium AD. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. If you don't know what that is, look it up. And Tylenol ibuprofen, probiotics, and also electrolytes. And I would overdose in the morning, and my <laughs> fever did. would break. I would shake and tremble at night, shaking from fever chills, which has never shaking happened Shaking violently to me. the yeah. first night. Which I, you just slept through it. Babe, that's not true. I was literally dying in Europe, and you're just like, You're, you're the good? guy when I'm you're like, sick. It's like, don't, don't touch me. Leave me alone. I'm fine. You're uh, the yeah. I'm fine guy. I was guy. a tough guy, yeah. And I'm like, please take more drugs. But please babe, didn't this. I do it? I took the drugs. We'd go for five hours. I would die, take more drugs, and we'd just keep going. Yeah, I don't know anyone who would do what you did. Honestly, you push through like a pro. Everything I do, I do it for you. Ooh, that was like my favorite Vic, song who sings that in song? the 90s. Brian Adams. Yeah, that's right. You know. I mean, we used to go on the roller skating. There's thing. no love like, you know, like your love. romantic song. And no other <laughs> could give more love. And the guitar turning. Yeah, he was a rocker, man. <laughs> hey Vic, uh, you could just sit down and relax, okay? Um, I mean, it's a big day. Taylor Swift released a new song. My daughter's losing her mind, so there's that. I like the name of the song. I think it's called "Sit Down and Relax." Really? <laughs> calm down or something? You need to calm down. Is it really something yeah. like that? Yeah, <laughs> calm it all down. I'm gonna need you to calm down. Anyways, Paris anyway. was great. Thank you for those who sent well wishes while we were there, and we are back. 
We're and back. jet lag's real. Today, we figured we would talk about in the throes of jet lag, because why not? Um, two very controversial things in life. Drinking mm. and divorce. Mm. The double Ds. Maybe that'll be the cop. Maybe that'll be the, the name. The double Ds. Yeah, maybe that'll why be the name the of this podcast. Why not the triple Ds? Because it's just two Ds. <laughs> Drinking and divorce. I can divorce add a third and- D. Um, d- Dating? D- no, that's not controversial. Drinking Divorce and drugs. (laughs) (laughs) The devil. That's let's go with double D's. I feel like that's more appropriate to you and me. I like it. (laughs) Um, Hey, growing up the way we did, which would have been in a community of faith all of our lives. There were kind of like voodoo things, certainly on the list certainly of voodoo. Certainly very religious. Yeah. Certainly on the list of voodoo would be drinking uh-huh. alcohol. I'm not talking about drinking milk, you know, or coffee, because that's totally acceptable. But drinking alcohol. Ooh, the devil's liquid. The booze of the <laughs> pagans. I don't know. Whatever you call it. The juices. Yeah, the juice of hell. <laughs> Hell's juices. <laughs> You got anything, Victor? Beverage. The beverage of Beelzebub. Um, What? We definitely, when we grew up, like alcohol was the devil's drink. Oh, man. And divorce was the unspeakable. Not an option. Don't even, the word we don't. We don't even use it. Speak of. It was like the F word. Called it the D word, but it was the D word. It was the F word for the Christian And I would say over 23 years of marriage and over 40 years of life, which are almost there. We celebrated 40. You're not there yet, but July 9th, you'll be 40. I'm 42. Um, Our view and our perspective on both of those has changed. Has it Mm -hmm. not? Drastically. Oh, that's another D word. Ooh, Ooh. we're going with the Ds. Drastically diverged. Yeah, and I think in the best way possible. Yeah, I agree too. I think you get better with H. You certainly do. Double Ds. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i just realized we can't edit that out because i'm thinking oh we'll just edit out things but you know we why don't. this is it's the, the whole truth, truth but the nothing, nothing but the, the truth. truth so if you want to unsubscribe go ahead yeah come, or you could just subscribe and get your friends to subscribe there guys. you go let's do that okay sorry about but that. honestly drinking and divorce <laughs> because that's been a part of our journey um, some of our family, some of the, the people so let's in our start. Lives. Can we start with the drinking? The yeah, devils, let's do the it. devils, the devils swirling drink. Um, which growing up in the church, certainly we subscribe to the fact that alcohol was absolutely evil. Even a sip of wine, dear God, if you were to have whiskey or beer, hard like, liquor, it was terrible. Yeah. Like it's, um, and I definitely think that that was um, extreme for sure. We definitely have come out of that, you know. Drunkenness and drinking are two different things. I think drinking... And the Bible even speaks clearly of the difference. Yeah, if you want to go down that route. But for us, I mean, we'll just sit, come out and say it for sure. Like you and I will enjoy a nice glass of wine together every now and then if I have a friend over. Um, I, I'll enjoy, I love vintage whiskey. I'll have a glass of whiskey. I'm not a beer guy. I look like a beer guy, but I can't stand it. I Everywhere think it we like go, <laughs> people offer you beer. Yeah, it's they the give me free beers thing. and I can't drink it because I, I would rather drink urine. I just don't like I the way it I think it's the manliness of the face. It's probably hair. good. I already have. I don't need to gain any more weight and beer is, from what I hear, like eating a loaf of bread. There's some so. serious calories in that. But uh, most of my friends will drink beer and have a good beer. And so 
I think everything, so I want to talk about that because some right now, there's people listening to our podcast like, wait a second. And they're super offended by that thought, which I would have subscribed to that 15 years ago. Like, I can't believe. And so I think we kind of got to tell the story. And then we can talk about the other D, which is divorce. But um, starting with drinking, I remember growing up, my father, I struggled with alcoholism before I was, before he met God. So I'd have been a child. I don't remember him ever being alcoholic. My dad, from the moment I could remember, was always a man of faith. the same way, yeah. But... He was an alcoholic before then, and a lot of family members that we know. We have a very large extended family who I love very much. Most of them I don't actually know, but we've all met at family reunions, and many of them would have had alcohol problems. So I've seen through family and friends just the really... Detriment, the yeah, the pain Yeah, of it. the absolute tragedy of alcoholism mm-hmm. and what alcohol can do to you. So um, coupled with religious kind of beliefs, like alcohol just for us, I was a huge deterrent. I mean, I would be super vocal back in my 20s for sure about drinking. Um, I kind of prided myself on the fact that I went through college, played college football, and never once had a sip of alcohol, which seems almost impossible. And, and you were was, at the country cup club of college. Yeah, yeah. Colleges. And it was kind of my I mean, badge of honor. Like yeah. I never drank alcohol. <laughs> I remember coming home one weekend. Um, my roommate was a huge partier. And we're in the room and they come running down the hall and they come looking for me because I'm the only guy on the hall who's not inebriated. And they're like, Billy, come, we need help. And one guy had taken Tylenol or some kind of medicine and gotten drunk. And he was literally convulsing on the floor and bleeding out of his eyes and his ears. This has been going on for a while. There's a ton of blood on the ground. I know the guy. And I literally look at everyone who's drunk out of their brains. I'm like, has anyone called 911? And they're like, we can't. We'll get in trouble. I'm like, listen, geniuses. Call 911 or watch our friend die on the floor. So, of course, we call 911. A bunch of guys got suspended because apparently we had a dry campus, which is a, an it's illusion. A joke. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, it's like, and I remember coming home one weekend again, another friend of mine, I walk into the, the guy's bathroom on the dorm. It's 2 a.m. I had been with you. We were keeping it holy, but hey. we were getting hot and heavy. And I came home and I walk into this, and my friend, um, his name was Justin. You won't know who he is. I, I don't know where he is. Justin, so. if you're out there, we love you. Justin, love you, man. I'll never forget it, though. He's His face is is in the urinal, a used urinal. It's overflowing. I mean, it's going to be graphic, but understand my perspective. It's overflowing with vomit, and he looks up at me, and literally urine and vomit is dripping from oh. his eyelashes. And he says, hey, Billy. And I literally said to him, is it worth it, man? And that kind of summed up my whole thought with alcohol. Like, what is the deal? Like, And I just, so the, I had this picture of like, alcohol is nothing but bad. It only brings bad. And I will say this, drunkenness, getting drunk, when you turn to alcohol as a crutch, as a means of trying to be of someone you're not, yeah, I something. do think it's bad. Mm. Do I think that you can drink and not get drunk? Yes. Ask me that 20 years ago? No. But I'm living proof of it. And so I think we kind of want to talk about some of those things, right, babe? Like your experience with alcohol growing up, I was kind of the same of mine. You know, it just, nothing good came from it. Yeah, I was just, I grew up in an environment that it was just totally not okay. And so but re, being raised up in a church, uh, maybe overly religious in that way, that was just something that was kind of drilled into me. So I honestly was good with it. I didn't even think twice. And um, it wasn't until I think... We were in, I was early 30s that I had my first uh, taste of alcohol ever. Yeah. Well, on our honeymoon night, we had some champagne because we were so thirsty, well, but we spit it out. Which was, I thought it was disgusting. <laughs> it actually yeah. was really bad champagne, um, I guess. And it was kind of a decision we both made. And I think you're going to get to that process. But I had 
Never. And, and one of the reasons is my grandfather and my parents had talked about how they just didn't believe in it and didn't think it was the right thing because of, of drunkenness and, and what it leads to. And I would say this, I don't think alcohol should be a big way, a big deal one way or the other. If you're super adamant that you shouldn't drink, that's, that's a personal freedom and liberty. And if you're super adamant that you should drink, it's like, it just doesn't, it shouldn't be it's that big extremes. of a deal. Yeah. It literally, and what we've done, I know we started, we probably started drinking alcohol in our mid thirties is when we kind of felt like, Hey, we're going to do that as a husband and wife, um, was, um, it's just not going to be a big deal. It's very much for us a take it or leave it. We have a couple rules we've yeah. set up yep. because we've seen alcohol hurt family members, friends. We've seen it. We've seen. So I'm not going to argue that there's a downside to alcohol. I mean, uh-huh. think of drunk driving. Think of how many innocent people die. Like, I mean, don't get me going. So for us, we kind of have some rules. One of the things is we don't drink alone. Yeah. I don't get alone with a bottle and drink. That's my own personal thing. Like if you do, if you have a drink after work, a stressful day, it's kind of up to you. But for me, I don't want alcohol to become a crutch. And I understand my personality. And again, what we're saying is not like, oh, this is what you should do. This is a very personal this is our thing. journey. You're going to have to be honest with yep. yourself. Thus, the honest conversations. If you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? So who are you fooling? So for me, I've realized like, I'm not going to drink alone. So if I don't have a friend over, if you're not there, I've also made a commitment that I'm not going to get drunk. I can say today, I've honestly never been drunk. Have I felt the effects of alcohol? Sure. Um, I've lost a lot of weight in the last three years and alcohol definitely, I can. if I have one glass of alcohol, I actually can feel like, whoa, I, I think I feel something, right? Um, I've made a kind of commitment to never be drunk. I just don't want to be drunk. Mm-hmm. If I were to get drunk one time, let me ask you this, would it be the end of the world? No. No, it wouldn't be because our failures don't define us. Let me ask you this though. What if I get drunk and black out and do something? that I can't undo. That's why I think, hey man, anything that takes control of your life, anything that you can't control is bad. Whether that be alcohol, whether that be food, yep. whether that be a relationship, whether that Nicotine, be- Nicotine, it could be anything, anything. Anything that takes control of you that you can't control. Now you've put yourself in a position. I had a friend years ago, um, blackout drunk, called me the next morning and was like, I don't know what I did last night, but there was damage to a vehicle and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, how, how difficult, how, how dangerous is that to be like, I don't remember what happened between these hours. I'm like, that's just, that's why for me, it's like, Hey, you got to know. Um, another thing that we do is we don't drink when we've had a stressful day. Like I don't come home after a stressful day. Again, this is my own personal thing. If I've had a very stressful day, and that's all office, you're looking forward to, is I don't come home I can't and like, get home man, and have I need. You know what? I will come home and do is like, hey, maybe wine. we should. Vodka's terrible. <laughs> I don't drink that, but like, I wouldn't. I would come home and be like, you and I need to go get dinner. I'm gonna go sit outside on a patio, relax, and listen to music. Yeah, go to the gym. I mean, yeah, go so to the gym. Ways Other to- ways to decompress. Um, but alcohol for us would be very much of a like just it's a liberty that we have that we enjoy. We enjoy from a glass time of wine time, for it, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll say this too. It's a big difference drinking when you're in your 20s and when you're in your 30s. Absolutely. I didn't drink in my 20s. I think if I would have, it would have been to be cool and to be the life of the party. I mean, certainly that would have been the case. Um, in our 30s now, it has nothing to do with that. In fact, we'll be at restaurants and maybe you'll have a glass of wine and I'll have a drink. And if people come by, our proclivity is to kind of hide it. If we don't think it makes us cool. We're kind of like, hey, this we is don't just- We hide it. We just don't I know, but it's, it. it's not something that I'm- proud of like do you see i have a beer right like what like what are we talking about i think there's a maturity that comes with that too but i think that kind of that kind of um i guess perspective or stance comes from our past and i think it's more normal to have a glass of wine than not to have a glass of wine in society and i think the christian 
upbringing that I came from that was extreme religious was having a glass of wine or anything. It was just so wrong. Actually, that was like that. The whole perspective was so wrong. And so and I do agree. I think that if you're you're going home after a long day, days of work or you're feeling stressed and your default is I can't wait to have that drink or two or three. And that becomes your daily. I think that only will lead to negative things just be honest with yourself yeah. there was a stretch while back where you're like babe i think you've had a drink like every night this week and i remember you saying yeah. that to me and i was like and it kind of dawned me like maybe i did and so i remember being and like i just think i, w- I was and asking I being like, like do you oh, well, need that- to drink every day and i something? don't so then yeah. i remember being like yeah i actually won't do that i'm like and i it was a while before i had a drink again i think you have to monitor you have to be good we have friends that are like ah, i'm not drinking for the whole month i'm like good for you it's kind of like reminding yourself like this doesn't it's have a like grip cutting on out me. carbs for yeah. the whole month i mean can i it, it really is anything in excess okay yep. if you want to go biblical paul says in the bible you should not be mastered by anything everything is acceptable but i shouldn't be mastered by anything mm-hmm. so you have a liberty you know and just to be clear for the people that are of faith out there that are like wait a second drinking's a sin nope drunkenness is the sin yeah drinking is not jesus first miracle was, was turning water to wine. You're like, ooh, that's not what it meant. Okay, but it was clearly not a big deal. Drinking isn't the issue. It's drunkenness. Yeah. And I would say this, fast food isn't the issue. It's gluttony. Yeah. All right. I mean, if you want to go to McDonald's and get an Egg McMuffin, by all means. Have if you do that every day, four times a day, and you're gaining hundreds of pounds, like, hey, you might have an issue. Something has control of you. Watching Netflix isn't the issue. But if all you do is binge watch to the point where you've lost your job, you're not making any money, and you've lost all your drive in life, like, hey, that is real. do you realize something's controlling yeah. you? And I think we have to apply that in life and not make it. And I love, a sin and issue. I, you know, for us, it it really was something that we started doing later in life. And then, I, you know, just recently having conversations with our kids, we've got a 19 year old, 18 year old, and a and a 14 year old, and. And kind of thinking, gosh, I wonder when the the whole question will come up for them. Like, you know, do yeah. they want to do they want to drink? Do they want to drink a twenty one? And even even I think it was Caleb, our middle son. He, he just said, you know, mom, I don't think I'm going to drink at twenty one. I think I'm just going to drink when I get married. And um, and that just came because he kind of had watched us journey this whole thing with ne- never drinking alcohol and now drinking it. And I think even encouraging. I guess people who have kids to talk to your kids about totally. alcohol and, and not do it so late. That's in such life. a good point. And I thank God, honestly, because I feel like we've made alcohol such not a big deal doing it or not doing it mm-hmm. that our kids are literally like, they just don't even like, they're not like, I can't wait to drink. Cause every time my mom and dad have friends over, they just binge. Never. In fact, right. Never. Right. We have family members who have a drink, but it's very, it's like, it's so the, um, sub story it's not about the drinks it's about us getting together and if a drink someone pours a glass of wine if Vic the sound chicks makes a makes a cocktail that's kind of like okay cool but that's not the reason we got together it's never it's not, the, focal it's not the point. center of what we do um and we do do this if we we hold each other accountable if someone's having like hey is that is that gonna be your third drink maybe you should cut it off we'll do that especially with family members and, and with anything else too that yeah. could be extreme. hey is that your fifth piece of pie why yes it is <laughs> You might have a tummy <laughs> ache tomorrow. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so I think we've. But kinda, you know, I, I, listeners probably have a lot of questions. It's especially, controversial. I'd love for people to maybe leave a comment on one of our Instagram posts that yeah. we're going to be posting. Yo, slip into those DMs, man. Yeah, Let us know what your we, thoughts are. I, Is that, slide. Ah, uh, okay. I think oh. the kids these slip. days say slip. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't say that word. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yo, crawl up into them DMs. Okay. Um, and we're done. Uh, okay. <laughs> and oddly enough, I have not had a drink <laughs> because it's 10 a.m. Hey, let me ask you this. So I feel like we've kind of covered that. I think for me, we definitely don't want to be religious about drinking. It's a personal liberty. And I think you just. And people have asked us if we drink or sure. don't drink. And it's not something I broadcast. Hey, we drink. And we kind of have a personal thing. We never on social media post um, pictures of alcohol with us. Because it's like, here's another thing in the Bible. I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. Mm -hmm. Um, We have people come over our house. If I happen to know people that have had drinking problems in the past, I won't pull out the alcohol. I don't care what the occasion is. Like, I'm not doing it. Using discretion is so Not trying to cause them to stumble. It's my liberty. But if my liberty causes you to stumble, causes you to like... Um, if we have underage people, our our sons are underage and their friends come over. I'm not busting out alcohol. I'm also not trying to make it like, ooh, so cool. It's exactly. actually not cool. It's That's not what it's about. So I think you have to be very mature and discreet mm-hmm. and think put others first when you're doing that. And right? I would say if you are of the age of like, you know, 16 to 25, I just think like ask yourself the tough questions before you decide to Why you start drinking. drinking. And What's your reason? And get some good feedback and wisdom from people mm. around you that you trust. True. Um, divorce. Now that we're getting to the second D of our double Ds, um, I think we should call this drunken divorce. I like Drunken divorced. Um, when we first got married, at the ripe age, you were 17. Mm-hmm. I was True 20. True story. True story. I practically raised you. False. It's true. You were very young. And, and so were you, my true. friend. And we... All of 19. I was 20. Just turned 20. Okay. You were a child. But you know, guys are always more immature <laughs> it's than... True. You were actually less. more mature than me at 17. Very and true. I was at 20. Yeah, I will go with that. Anyways, um, we definitely would have said in the first years of our marriage, and kind of bring on a journey like... Ever. Divorce is never, never an even option. even mention the word divorce. Right. Um, it's never an option. Don't talk about it. Don't say it. There's some things about that that I still feel like, yeah, I don't think you should. Um, eight years into our marriage, we go through our first kind of real crisis. Actually, there were more of that. You had heart surgery. We had a few things. But my dad dies, who was my mentor, a Your very hero. close friend. He, Yeah, that's the best way to put it. He was a my hero. Mm-hmm. And um, dies of cancer. I l- Tragically. I lose faith. I lose my faith. I have a crisis of faith. And in that crisis of faith, I become a very, very depressed, despondent, terrible person for about a year. And in that year, I cannot count the amount of times I told you I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to divorce you. I think it came out of your mouth almost daily. I told you, divorce me. The man you uh-huh. married is dead. God is dead. This is over. I mean, it was horrible. And some of me thinks it was a coping mechanism for my pain. I could just like be super extreme. Didn't make it right. Um, totally- I'm shocked at the grace of God on your life to not divorce me after me literally trying to convince you to divorce me. Um, I think I would have divorced. I just couldn't pull myself together to do anything, quite honestly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thank God, and I will say this, going back to the drinking thing, I thank God in those days we didn't drink. I think I never want drinking to become such a landscape of my life that when bad things happen, I turn to it. turn to it, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's why we use discretion and moderation in that because... I don't want it to be my go-to. I can't imagine during that season of my life if I had turned to some kind of substance. Um, I certainly did turn to another addiction I had for a season, which was pornography. Um, but thank God, it came through that as well. Uh, so we're we're really we're going all well, over. Well, it's good you're giving you're giving kind of some context um, to this. So fast forward, 
Um, now, 23 years of marriage, happily married, love you more than anything. You are literally more beautiful at 40 than you were at 17. Thanks, babe. You're the best. We've gone through so much Cheers, life together. Babe. Cheers, babe. Um, double Ds. <laughs> okay. I think you have oh, to wait, stop. Oh, wait. We can't edit that. Um, I keep forgetting. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, whatever. We're happily married. I love you. But... I think our thoughts on divorce have certainly changed. First of all, I still stand on the thing. You shouldn't throw divorce out as like a fighting tool. Absolutely. I'm going to divorce you. That's just terrible. It's super immature. It's ridiculous. It really is. But to say that divorce is not an option is laughable. And I would say that at least twice in our 23 years of marriage, at least twice, we were definitely on the verge and the reality of divorce Mm -hmm. with my dad dying, you know, eight years into marriage. And then I would say probably three years ago, us going through just a very, very difficult time in our relationship, which I thank God we've come through it. I love you more than anything in the world. I think our marriage is the strongest it's ever been, but make no mistake, marriages work, right? It takes work. And so um, our thoughts on divorce, and I guess this this was triggered. Someone asked me the other day, like, what would you say to someone who's divorced? We have family members that have been divorced. We have friends that have been divorced. Yeah. There's some statistic out there that says 60% of marriages in America have ended in divorce. Yeah. So what do you say to all those people when we're like, divorce isn't an option? It's so it wrong. totally is I'm an sorry. Option. More than half the people have been divorced. So right. what would you say to them? And someone asked me the other day, like, what would you say to someone who's been divorced? And it came out of me super quick. And I was like, I would say, I am so sorry for the pain you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Because I don't think people get married like... Like, we're going to get divorced. I understand prenuptials. It's a big possibility. I I don't care what you think think about that. that. But like, when you go to an altar and say, I do, most people, I would say 99% of of the world is going out like, hey, I love you so much. I'm willing to give it a go to spend the rest of my life with you. Right. That's a big deal. And something, so to start there, which is where marriage starts, no matter how mature you are, no matter what, that's where it starts in your heart. Like, I think I love you so much. I'm willing to say like, I'll be with you the rest of my life. What kind of terrible pain must you go through exactly. to get to the point where you're like, it cannot be salvaged and we're ending this? Like, So I would say, like, and you could say, well, what was wrong? What was right? What did you do wrong? Where did you mess up? Was there infidelity? Did you turn to God? There's so many things that, we're unwilling and to there's change. no story that's the same and there's no one size fits all. But I would say to you, like, I am sorry because the pain mm-hmm. to get to that point must have been devastating. Yeah, And- I don't think people should have to go through that. And I would just say this. Here's my thought on the end of divorce. Divorce is not the end. That is not the end of your story. And there is That is not the life. end of life. There is life after divorce. Really Please say that life again. After there divorce. is. Um, I don't think you're a second-class citizen. I don't think your relationships become second-class or right. BT. Like, everyone makes mistakes. Things fail. And I pray to God, the goal is to stay married to you for the rest of my life. And we're planning on that. And, divorce, and to stay married takes a lot of hard work. And it's worth it. And it takes a lot of but, selflessness. And sometimes, and it takes two people, I should say that. Right, so there's right. people that have been divorced. And some and there's people, people like, who have been divorced who didn't want to be divorced, but the other partner the other person was, just, was unwilling right. to either change. And maybe that person was unwilling because of just hurts that they couldn't get over. Yeah. But there had to be an enormous amount of hurt to get to those places. And I would say to those people, first of all, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there is a God who is with you and loves you, and there's still a plan and purpose for your life. And I just refuse to believe that anything 
is going to define my future other than the grace and purpose and love. Of and if you are God. married and you're on the verge of divorce or you're separated, can I just say there's still hope for your marriage? Because that's been our journey where yeah. we have had some serious tough months where we thought this is not going to last. It's not going to make it. It's not going to make it. Um, I love what you said. You said separated. And I. this is one of the things we've counseled friends and we've even done at, at one point in our marriage was felt like divorce might just be like, there's no way around this. It's it's become insurmountable. And we ended up, and we've encouraged people to do this. Like before you, before you divorce, before you make that decision, what about just separation? It's actually biblical for those who have faith that like you find that in the Bible. Like, like take a moment, get away. We've done that. There's, I'll be super vulnerable. There was a season in our life where I actually lived, moved in with family members for about, I don't know, 15, 16 days. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be in contact during the day, but we really l- realized like, okay, we've hit a critical point. This could end. And together living on the same roof was not We just healthy. kept fighting. We couldn't. And, yeah. and you know, can I say this? We were too hurt. I think married Christian couples are afraid of the separation word. Can I just say everyone needs a timeout? Man. Everyone deserves Go to your room. <laughs> time yeah. to just figure some things out. And I think the best thing that we did was take some time more than just we a couple days space. to really look inward at what, you know, especially me, look at myself and go, okay, if I don't make some real change here, I don't think I can continue to carry on my marriage. It helped me make changes. It helped you make changes. Yeah. We did stay very connected. We were seeking counseling during that time for sure. Absolutely. So there were, there were third parties helping us. Family was very supportive. Um, like I said, I stayed with family members. And Actually, I think, you did can I just say that the thing that saved us looking back, which I don't know if you knew this then, was we both were willing to just be really authentic on where we were with some trusted people. You were very vulnerable. I was very vulnerable. Yes. I think that is was the key, though, I think, in the end to bring us back together and strengthening our marriage. And if I can just say, if you're you're in a place of where your your marriage is on crisis, man, get to that place where you could just maybe talk to somebody. Get help. Get Maybe take help. a moment and separate. Now, when separate, we didn't cut off each other. Like We would call each other at least once a day. We'd have a conversation. How you doing? And then or we, text we or, actually got together in person a couple of times and get lunch. And it was almost like we kind of started over in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, God can't, you know, God saved our Absolutely. marriage. But it took both of us being willing to make changes. And so I would say 100%, if you feel like you're on the verge of divorce, um, if you're going through, there's hope. And mm-hmm. so we're living proof of that. If your marriage hasn't a divorce, there's hope. And you Please can tell somebody. I think I've talked to so many uh, women in marriages, and I find out out of desperation that they've been just desperately struggling their marriage. And I think, gosh, you you can tell someone like it's okay to admit your marriage is not working. Yeah, it's okay to admit that. Or it's kind of broke, and it's broken, and you don't know what to do, and it's hopeless. How can you fix something if you don't admit it's broken? Right, and that's the start of something actually mending and yeah. getting healthy again. So I guess we just kind of summing up what we're saying today is we just refuse to live from a religious perspective on anything, in fact. But, you know, talking about drinking and divorce today. It is an example today, of divorce. Can I just say this to interrupt you? Is that my, yeah. my, parents, <laughs> my parents were, you know, married for 32 years and tragically went through a really tough time and ended in divorce. And the really amazing story is that by God's grace, they're remarried and they're so happy and they're doing so well. And so, what was not, that? Yeah, they're not remarried to each other. They're not remarried to each other, yeah, yeah. but they, that's a great point. Thank you yeah, for thanks, clarifying. Thanks, Vic, the sound chick. But they remarried other people and they are doing so well. 
and thriving. And I can just say there is beautiful life after divorce. Come on, man. Because that's that's the story of gospel, of Jesus, yes, of hope. Yes. There's redemption. Like, come on, man. We're not defined. And yeah, there's going to be mistakes and we're going to fall down. You can get back up. Mm-hmm. We can do this. It's not the end. Let's not get so religious. Jesus Thank wasn't. Thank you. Thank and that's you. not the way we're supposed to live our lives. So anyways... I good love Good talks. These are pretty good talks. Hey, good talks. Kind of controversial. We may have stirred up some things. If we did, um, email me let it at be, let whocares.com. Just email me right there, <laughs> and I'd love to get back to you never on that. So, <laughs> uh, jet lag. Hey, have a great day. Yeah, thanks for listening. And cheers See you next to time. all those. All right. Thanks for joining us today on Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Hey, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we would love to hear from you. You can leave a review, rate us, or follow us on social media at Billy's Mafia. Here's to more coffee and honest conversations. Cheers.